Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? How's it going? Uh, so, if you can't tell right now, the audio sounds a little wonky, and that is because our audio equipment decided to die on us. So we are using uh, onboard mics to our recorder that we didn't know existed until this week, but uh, this is a temporary situation, but it was one of the reasons we weren't doing, we didn't have an episode last week, and uh, we apologize for the audio this week, but we figured out something because we don't want to go two weeks without getting you content, and uh, just hold with us, and hopefully it sounds okay. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we thought we'd be using some fancy, fancy starship, but it turned out that old Millennium Falcon that was just hanging around, you know, we jumped on it on Jakku, and that's how we got out of there. Well, that was a Force Awakens reference. I was thinking more like we, like, got in the seat last week, and we were, like, you know, late on the episode anyway, star- starship, or uh, Star Destroyers bounding down <laughs> on us. I'm like, I got this, turn into hyperspace, and it's just like, and then you're like, I fixed it. Star Wars references, this is fun. Uh, so guys, this is the Masters of Modern. This, <laughs> this is the Masters of Modern podcast. Uh, things to jump in with. Number one, we did not give you an episode last week. We were having issues with the audio equipment and our we already, regular. We, already, we said this already. I know, but in the regular scheduled recording time, we showed up. So in the meantime, something really exciting has happened, and that is that the anchor station you guys hear me talk about, Ten Minutes of Magic, has officially become Ten Minutes of Modern, and it is now the official Masters of Modern anchor station. So. Rather than all of the games that I've been talking about playing on there, there's actually relevant modern content every single day now. Some of the other stuff gets peppered in there, but for instance, there's a uh, 12-minute conversation with Patrick Chapin that I had last night about the power of Bant Nightfall and Fair Decks with combo finishes. There's uh, about 10 minutes with Corey Burkhart uh, from two days ago talking about if you were going to ban Serum Visions or Sleight of Hand, or if you were going to ban Thoughtseize and Inquisition of Kozilek. What would affect the format more? So we're having conversations like that regularly with guests. Alex and I are jumping on there doing all kinds of stuff. So download Anchor.fm. What really helps me keep that thing going, keeping that station alive, is if you guys download the app Anchor.fm and you find the station, 10 Minutes of Modern, which is right there in the gaming tab, and you just check out the content. It's just literally an extra hour of Masters of Modern content every single week, 10 minutes at a time. And plus, if you are a part of our uh, official Facebook group, uh, you will be able to get links to some of those episodes when he exports those videos to try it out and see if you like the content, then you can jump on Anchor and, and get it in the full experience of what it's supposed to be. And I call in, and Ben keeps trying to get me to play Mental Magic with him, and I refuse, mostly because I just don't know what to call. And <laughs> then I might lose, and I'm currently undefeated, so why would I do that? Ready for the power of a fully operational room mic? <laughs> wow. Wow, that that sounded crisp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, beyond that, uh, you know, make sure to follow us on Facebook. As I said, make sure to go to the Twitter Twitter to follow us. I'm at Cast Wiley. I'm at Ben Baton Media. I am. We are at the MM Cast. Uh, beyond even that, uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, now more than ever, it's important to help us. We uh, need new equipment. We're going <laughs> to so. go drop a bunch of money this week on a new recorder with you know all kinds of stuff to make sure you guys have crisp, clear audio quality. We're also like really. Looking, we've been talking about this for a long time, uh, and there was a deal in the works that is still sort of pending, but we're really looking to kind of go in the direction of a little bit more video stuff. Um, we yeah. love what our sister podcast, The Command Zone, does over on Collected.Company, and they have this awesome YouTube channel, Jimmy and Josh, doing so much cool Commander content like Game Nights, that we would really like to kind of get on board with that, and so as well as buying new audio stuff, we're going to have to buy some video stuff. So if you guys you know, visit the Patreon, it's just a few bucks a month. 
And uh, we, we do some exclusive content there. We do deck techs where we take your guys' deck submissions. We do them on the show. It really, honest to God, helps us keep doing this show. So if you guys are fans of Masters of Modern you're not already doing it, it would mean the world to us. Speaking of which, we've been wanting to do a deck tech episode at Patreon, current donators, and we have it on brews because we just haven't gotten enough of them. We need more donate uh, submissions on on Patreon of deck lists. So if you are a Patreon member, please submit deck lists and really any since we haven't done one basically since uh, Amaket came out. Any Amaket cards, and and you'll we'll we'll talk about it. So make sure to do that. Uh, and last but not least, um, we'll get on the episode. Yeah, yeah? let's do it. Uh, so there's, there's, there's uh, two things we're talking about today. First is I had the pleasure of going to Gen Con uh, this last weekend, and I'm gonna we're gonna discuss a little bit of what Gen Con is, and it was its 50th anniversary, also the 50th anniversary of Trader Joe's. Really? At the same time? Yeah, it was weird. Uh, I found that out today. Uh, and, and Trader Joe's is from there. No, no, it's that the Trader Joe's on the drive-in had a big 50th oh. anniversary sign, and then it was also the Gen Con 50th anniversary. Look at that. Yeah, so it's <laughs> same year, big 1967, big deal. <laughs> and then we're also going to do our Commander Set review. We're going to go through uh, the cards that we've pre-selected uh, to discuss uh, that should be made legal and modern. These are new cards that they printed that we'd like to see printed in modern, um, or powerful cards that we want to not see printed in modern. Uh, a general theme you'll notice is that they're the cards that are not more than five mana. <laughs> um, In general, yes. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, the, the gist of what we're talking about today. Uh, first, Gen Con. So for those who don't know, Gen Con is the largest board game and tabletop gaming uh, convention in, in the world, if not just the United States. Um, and it's I'm kind of the... Been. It's the E3, if people play video games, of uh, board games. A lot of companies big, do their big announcements. You can get sneak previews. You can buy games that will be released in October early at Gen Con. And, and it's kind of a giant a blast. Wizards does stuff there. Um, I played literally seven hours of Werewolf on Friday night. You were probably the biggest fan of that game I've ever met. I, I still, uh, I still like, don't get on board with the game. I don't think it's a bad game. I just like still haven't gotten on board. And I swear to you... like. You are the person that talks about that game more than anyone I've ever met. Well, what was great about it is, like, I host werewolf games regularly. And the, yeah. for those who don't know, werewolf is a version of mafia. And basically the idea is that there are secret werewolves among a village. And every day the villagers are trying to figure out who the werewolves are. And they'll kill a person during the day. And then at night the werewolves will kill a villager during the night. And it's a race to see who can figure out who's who. Um I normally host these games because the game requires a person to kind of be like a DM and to like talk everyone through what's going on. So it was really fun actually getting to play like the most werewolf I've actually played because I'm always the host. Yeah, that's fair. That was fun. I was a werewolf once. I'm not a good werewolf. I'm just not. But I'm like really good at being a villager. I played. I will, I will <laughs> suss you out, you dirty werewolf. I played like one uh, match one time. and I You like... played a GP Vegas with like the Ruben Bressler crowd, which... Love Ruben the Death, and their games are extraordinarily entertaining to watch, but it's all poker players and pro magic players, so yeah. it's the most cutthroat, like, angly, like, there was one person who went on a long speech last time, I yeah. went there la this last GP Vegas yeah. with Jimmy, and uh, there's a long speech of basically, like, we need to kill every player who's new, that we don't know, because... You know they're weaker players, and we just need to murder them, and we don't want them to ever come back. <laughs> I got up and I was like, "I'm the werewolf," and in my mind, I was like, "If I say I'm the werewolf, there's no way I'm the werewolf." They're like, "All right, you're dead." Yeah, well, that's just the rule. <laughs> you didn't know that because it was the first game you played, but yeah. 
Because people do that, and it's just safer. Because then what the werewolves learn that they can just say, I'm the werewolf, and people will buy it. Right. Yeah, you gotta kill them. Werewolf's a great game. Uh, for those who don't know, there's actually, we, uh, Kesko came out with a Game of Thrones-themed werewolf. Oh, yeah. Uh, for free. It's a free download because it was a fan thing I made for the uh, finale two years ago. So if you go to kes.co slash GOT, yeah. you can download and, and play a, a Game of Thrones-themed werewolf. Didn't they get featured by someone? A Nerdist. Nerdist, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Nerdist did a feature on it, that's right. Um, so yeah, so there's that. And then, and also, I guess, a subtle plug for Kesto, Kesko. Yeah, Kesko. Pay exciting. attention to that website, because like, there's exciting a cool game coming on. out for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Last but not, now, uh, I guess the rest of it, a uh, bunch of cool games. I got to play Game of Thrones, Sellers of Catan. Yep. Um, we tested some of our new games with some Magic fans. I hung out with a bunch of people from the podcast uh, that listen to the podcast, and they were all really good. I mean, what's cool about this is... Like, a lot of people go to Gen Con with people, and I went there for work reasons, and so I was kind of no one there I knew, actually. But because of you guys, because people that listen to the podcast, I was able to find people that listened and hung out with them all weekend. It's a definitely a huge, uh, huge advantage in the gaming world to meet, to meet listeners of this show, because we hear it from every person we meet, right? It's the same thing you hear from every single person, where they say, I kind of just feel like I know you guys. I feel like I actually am, like, friends with you guys. And so when you meet them in person, people are, like, so inclined to just, like, talk to you and crack jokes with you because, like, they've heard us talk for 100 hours, 200 yeah, hours. Definitely. They definitely, like, know the mannerisms. They know all of the, all of the you know, preferences and dumb jokes and stuff. So yeah. that's always really fun. Uh, specifically, big shout-out to Austin Cook. Uh, he was, like, the one person who, like, ended up hanging out with me for the whole weekend. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Listen to the podcast. Would it be the very same Austin Cook that I just got a notification an hour ago that joined Anchor and became a fan of Ten Minutes of Modern? That would be my assumption. Look yes. at that, Austin Cook, favorite your station one hour ago. Big, yep. big plug to Austin Cook. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, he's he was the best. He was a, he was a really good werewolf actually. He was a werewolf twice. Awesome, and was good at sneaking around. So don't trust him. He's untrustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> Always a werewolf, that guy. All right, uh, so let's get into it. Uh, today's episode, we are talking about two different things. One of them is. Uh, generally just commander cards, their power level, and why they should or shouldn't be in Modern, how you would get them in Modern. And finally, we're going to go through the list of commander cards in the new set that we think fit. And lastly, if you guys want to find out about old commander cards, say like two to five that Kessler and I have discussed and that would really like to see in Modern, we're going to do a 10-minute segment on the Anchor Station. So go find that if you want to hear about the older cards uh, that are commander cards that we want to see in there. Otherwise, let's get to it. All right, so... Uh, to give kind of a breakdown for those who don't know, I think everyone kind of knows this, but we want to make sure we go over it. Uh, the way Commander sets work is that they are printed once a year, uh, four to five. This year, there's only four sets. They are tribal themed. There's a wizards, a vampire, a um, dragons, and cats are the four different tribes. A lot of cats. Um, wizards has recently realized that cats are really popular. I don't know why they hadn't realized that before. Also... Like, I've been making an argument for a long time that... Because there's the conversation of there's the five tribes of magic. Right. And, and each color has, like, their signature tribe. You know, uh, black has vampires slash kind of zombies. Uh, red has goblins. Green has elves. And blue has merfolk. And then white has always been, like, humans slash soldiers slash... But that's weird because they're a class and humans are in every color. And what what it's really white trying to do. And I've been making, like, cats. It's cat people. Like, Johnny is the premier face of white for a long time. He is a cat person it's cat people. Lee and N are on like all the planes. Yeah, I've had that conversation a lot recently about the tribal, the tribal uh, alliances or whatever, the tribal associations. And it's definitely white and black are the most ambiguous. I would even go as far as to say black is more ambiguous because you just said vampires was your instant kind of zombies. I kind of think 
It's the other way around. Honestly. Well, no, no, no. I mean, Wizards has been has officially announced what how this worked. It was zombies forever, uh, but they changed it because zombies can't have a society. Like they can't build cities and they can't put towns based got on it, vampires it, and zombies. It. And zombies can be a range of anything. They're a little bit like soldier. Like you can be a werewolf zombie or a, a elf zombie. Sure. Um, and so they made it vampires because vampires can have a city and a town and, and, and vampires. Because originally vampires were like the first replacement for demons when they were like, oh, we can't make demons anymore. Right. Because religion in the South. And when they were like, eh, we're going to make demons again, zombie, like vampires were like, well, where, where do these fit perfectly? And then at that point, Twilight was really popular and, and sure. True Blood was really popular and um, so they're like, eh, vampires can be our main tribe. And it makes sense. Like they had, and there are more, you know, there are no zombie planeswalkers. There are vampire planeswalkers. Right. Um, so that's, that's the reasoning behind that one. Uh, but sometimes zombies come back and they are the character, you know, they, they do have a bunch of tribal stuff. Like they are, if you look at like most common tribal cards, I believe it goes elves, zombies, goblins. Yeah. And then... Merfolk, I think, or human. Like, then it gets complicated. They haven't pushed goblins in a while. Goblins have been. I know it's kind of sad. I, I, goblins need some love. Yeah, but the merfolk are they're, definitely they're, getting. A, goblins are everywhere. They just don't get any tribal love, which is really interesting. Merfolk are definitely getting a new lease on life coming up, though. Seems oh, like yeah, we're going to It's merfolk, the plane. If you had to guess, how many uh, modern playable merfolk are we going to get? Uh, at most three, and that's like a stretch. A sh- in, in like. I'm going to be very sad if Curse Catcher is not in Ixalan or Betrayers of like, yeah. the next, whatever the next right, side is. Right, right, right. And because that is the worst expensive card in modern. <laughs> How much is it now? It's like 20 bucks. Mm. I bought them. I finally just just bought it because I was annoyed that I just couldn't Tired. take Merfolk to a tournament. Tired of having uh I was like, yeah, this is like, judges these, are, these are like $15 cards that I'm just never going to get back and I'm fine with that. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't even like... We, I think every time we get to a Merfolk tribal plane, we get some Merfolk that's playable. I think we're for sure we're getting one that we know of is already a, a better card. But we can't talk about it because it's in like the leak section, so we'll talk about when it's official. Um, I mean, I think I think what you have to think about is with Merfolk specifically, the reason it's so hard for a card to break in is because the density the density on curve is so tight. Like mm-hmm. you you have you absolutely have to have your twelve cards, your like four your your eight lords at two mana and your four silvergill, which means your two drop slot pretty jam packed. Sure. Like Coral Helm, Coral Helm, whatever his name is, the captain guy, the level up guy. He, likes that, he doesn't even enough. see. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He he's a card that is like that's like an interesting card that it got if it got printed. I'd be like, oh, does this fit? He's so like the format is so has had so much basis around lightning bolt path and fatal push now that that card has always been bad in modern. It was okay when it was in standard because standard only really had one premier removal spell in one color, but once you put it in modern, you're in a world where it's problematic. I think that um, the it's not the two-drop slot that's really flex, and maybe if there's one or two, because you have the guy who, when it comes in, you bounce a thing that could be replaced, and a right. lot of people play main deck, the guy who taps a red-green creature down. Tie Binder uh, Mage. But the, at the three-drop slot, there's, like, three flex spots that are really flexible. Because you have, like, some people play um, Kira Glassbinner. Some people play right. uh, Vendillion Click. You know, and then there's the two to three um, 
Mirror region weight. Oh, mirror right, region right. And so there's like some flex in that three drop spot for sure. So if they come out with a good version of that, that's definitely something to look at. The other card that I think makes the, is the and we're just tangenting hard right now, but the other card that I think makes the most mm. sense. People like more folks. <laughs> uh, makes the most sense is that, that we will get something on the power level probably of a Master of Waves in that slot. Like it's more likely they'll print something powerful at four that'll be like, I wonder oh, sure. if this works. Yeah. Um, than it is that they'll give us something really aggressive at two or one even. So if I had to put my money where I think the most likely printing is, it's a powerful four drop. My second most likely printing is a one drop because I think that feels like something they haven't done in a long time has made a really powerful one drop merfolk. And then after that, I don't think we'll see anything strong enough at two to replace something in the deck. So this is a hard conversation to have. Uh, so, you know, the Ixalan spoiler is leaked. And we, we have a policy to not discuss these I things. haven't even looked and at you, it. Yeah, there I is one card and I was just like, ugh. Specific to this conversation, there is a card on that list that is the card we're talking about. Um, I don't want to get into it, it's sure. like, but I don't, I don't know how to have this conversation without being disingenuous. So like to you guys, I'm just being honest, like that we won't be talking about that card. There is one, it is, it's a three drop. I'm not going to go into it. any more than that. Um, so moving on, <laughs> cause that's a tangent anyways. Uh, we want to talk about, oh, 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 other like, oh, so commander sex. So those are the four tribes, um, cats, vampires, dragons, and wizards. Uh, the Wizards have the best card ever printed in Magic's history, and by far every other card is inferior, and everyone needs to just, just stop, quit, quit playing Magic, because we figured it out. Kess. If you missed it, they I have a card, named a card after, after Alex. <laughs> it's the best. It's so good. It's Snapcaster Mage every turn, guys. <laughs> Which is, like, really funny, because, like, okay, let's be honest, it's probably not really named after you. On the other hand, we have, like, three or four close friends now that all work there, so, like, it, it, yeah, and, we, and we talk to them. It's not named after me. The, the creative team, because that's the one group of people I don't know anyone <laughs> on. <laughs> Someone at the creative team was like, oh, I like this name, Kess. There's a world in our mind that exists that was our four friends sitting around at a table being like, we should just name a card after Alex. Right. He's awesome. Uh, of the people we know at Wizards, <laughs> all of them have been on the podcast, too. Because Glenn yep. founded the podcast. Uh, Adam yeah. Brown has been on the podcast. A- a- Probably Andrew. More, Andrew. Adam Brown. A.B. Yep. Adam Brown is... The author of the book, uh, Dan Brown. That's Dan Brown. That's There's a lot the, of Browns. Da Vinci Code. Yeah, yeah, yeah there it's we go. It's not an uncommon. Is there an Adam Brown? Is that a person? I'm sure it <laughs> yeah, is. There's, There's probably a hundred thousand yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, There's and probably then, somebody named Adam Brown listening to the podcast right now. Yeah, like, I would wager at least a dollar. Adam, Adam, can you tweet at us? We will. We will shout you out next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we have. It, and they they gave they gave us the they gave me the spoiler online because my Twitter account is Kess Wiley. This is Kess, and they, they, yeah. they that was, I got to be the preview guy, and that was really awesome. It made me literally like knocking off life achievements. I got engaged this year, founded a company that seems to be moving forward. Had a magic card with my name printed, and I got to spoil it. <laughs> Pretty cool. Pretty cool uh, stuff. Life, but really, I could just die now. I'm done. This is, I'm dropping mics. So, all right, with Commander set, let's just, before we get into... Oh, sorry. I, oh, yeah, yeah. That keep tangent, we keep tangenting. Yeah. Uh, so, one card, the Commander set is one of the few sets that is printed every year that has cards printed that are new, that are specific to that set, but are not standard legal. They are printed directly into Legacy and Vintage and Commander, but they are not playable in Standard, which means that they are also not playable in Modern. Now, people, that is the one contentious point about this. People often think that maybe Modern should be included on a list of cards that can be printed into it from outside of just Standard. And there are cards that we would love to see in Modern, and there's no real convenient way to get it into Modern without it going through the Standard barrier. And Standard has basically had a hard and fast rule that they no longer want to print 
extremely powerful older cards into standard because then it warps standard and standard becomes about that. Like Thoughtseize in the uh, Theros block or Lightning Bolt whenever it's printed in the standard. They want they want people that come back to Magic to be like, oh, this is all new cards. This is a completely different world than last time I hear. And I'm like, oh, Lightning Bolt and Birds of Paradise are still the best two cards in, in standard. Magic hasn't changed that much in 20 years. So, sad for us, but... Brand new cards. We're going to go over the cards that we think are are, are possibly cards that we would like to see in modern. Uh, obviously, it's really just cast Ascendant Mage, and all the other cards don't matter. And yeah, where do you think the biggest gap lies between uh, commander card design and let's say modern level card design? Is it is it in the is it in the cards that are designed to have an effect on all players, or like? Where because the balance of the card gets thrown off because it affects all players? I, I think that a card that's going in the standard goes through a much more rigorous testing process than a card going into Commander. Uh, and that's that's like a fact they've stated this. And because of that, they believe that the rigorous process they go through standard is enough to make sure it's not going to be too powerful for modern. Obviously, that hasn't always been true. If you look at Eldrazi Winter or Delve, these are cards that, in Standard, were totally fine. The Eldrazi, there's not, I don't even know if there's a Tier 2 Eldrazi deck in Standard. Um, but when you apply that to Modern, you have cards that break them open. Being Ayavugan, Eldrazi Temple, Fetchlands, anything that does with Delve. Um, so that's kind of the problem they run with Standard. And... Commander gets less testing than Standard does. I mean, and I think it's interesting also that you have cards that flip the other direction, like perhaps, I mean, Jimmy Wong's pick for the most powerful card in all of Commander was a Standard card that was just decent in Standard, and then now, because of the overload ability on it, Psychonic Rift is basically the best card you can possibly play. And I, I mean, I would say Sol Ring is more powerful. But, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's a top... Uh, I, I, think, I think it is the best blue card in Commander. Yeah, and you know that was a card that was the best color. So in standard, was just good. It wasn't a house. It wasn't. No, I would say it maybe didn't see top eight play once. I played it in like that Electromancer Delver deck. I remember. Yeah, I think think people like messed with it, but I don't think it like actually did anything in standard first time there. Uh, The red one did. The that was the one that was actually playable. Oh, oh, oh! The um, the four the four damage one. Yeah, four yeah. damage for two. It's literally Cyclonic Rift, but the red version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, and I think it, I think the Overload doesn't cost seven, though, does it? I think it costs six. Six. It's red, red, red. Three. Can't think of that card. Four damage. Card. I used to. I drafted that card so many times. I know. It was in. It was in uh, Modern Masters too. Yeah. All right. Or three technically, but I was saying two as an also. Yeah. And that made it confusing. For That's, cool. So. That's cool. That's <laughs> cool. Um, so let's go down the list. What all right. Got? So number one, not this is in no order because we all know number one is Cast Ascendant Mage. Uh, number uno, or A, A, how about that? The A card is Alms Collector. This is, uh, a Cat Cleric, 3-4, for three and a white. Flash, if an opponent would draw two or more cards, instead you and that player each draw a card. Can you read it? So this is, this is a Notion Thief in white. Oh, yeah, yeah, Alms Collector, I read this card. So there's a few things. One, that body is super relevant. Yeah. A flash 3-4. I mean, we talk about Restoration Angel regularly uh, and why it's powerful and the fact that a flash 3-4 flyer by itself is just a good thing and the fact that it bounces a thing is just kind of gravy. Uh, this plays a lot similar to that. And it is a hate card against any card draw. Now, right now in Modern, I don't know what card draw you would be necessarily fighting against. And isn't it you and that player draw a card? Well, but they would they would draw a card off of the effect, versus 
them drawing four cards or whatever. Oh, 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 oh! It replaces it as a. It replaces it as you both get a, a card. Yeah. As opposed to them getting six cards. And yeah. Getting, so you get a card and they get a card. You don't both get six. Right. So if they like do any card draw effect, Got you it. get a card and they only get one. Gotcha. They get a cantrip and you get a card draw out of it. So it's not as good as Notion Thief in that sense, but it's also a 3-4 versus a 3-1, and it's mono-white versus blue-black, which gives it a lot of bonus. Considering Notion Thief has never seen any modern play at any significant level, uh, I don't know that this card would break. Well, but but that's what I'm saying. is Blue-black is significantly worse than mono-white, and 3-4 is significantly better than 3-1. I mean, I would mess around with the card. It would would definitely be on my radar. It's a cool card. Yeah. Um, Next is... Uh, this is no, this isn't for modern. This isn't for modern, but I want to bring it up. Stocking Lion is one of the cooler designs I've seen in this entire set, and yeah. might be my favorite design of the card. Uh, for those who don't know, it's it's two and a white cat archer, uh, three three. When Stocking Lion enters the battlefield, secretly choose an opponent. Now, this doesn't really work in modern because you only have one opponent. Uh, reveal the player you chose. Exile target attack creature that's attacking you. If it's controlled by the chosen player, activate ability this ability only once. So. The secretly choose a player mechanic in Commander, and then having this, like, you don't know who it is, is one of the cooler cards I've ever seen them print. Uh, I don't know. I mean, as far as modern goes, this is just choose a player. They can't attack you with a creature unless they want it to be Do you have to, like, write it down in the game? Yeah, I think you have have to, like, write it down. Um, This is one of those things, like, like True Name Nemesis showing up in Legacy, where you're like, this is not supposed to work the way that it does. Where, like, if this was legal in modern, I mean, it's probably too good because it's basically, like, I'll just activate this for free at any time whenever I want. Yeah. You basically can't attack that player profitably ever again. But it only Oblivion rings it, right? It just exiles it and then when the Snow's Battlefield comes back? No, it's just it's exiled forever. It's just a free exile? Exile target attack creature that's attacking you if it's controlled by the chosen player, activate this ability only once. Oh, that's just... dumb powerful. That's yeah, yeah. Good. It's like too powerful, but like in the commander game it makes sense. Yeah. And and I wanted to point out the cool design on it, but in in it would be too powerful. The effect is coming from this creature, or it's like not even coming from the creature. It's a target, yeah. So it comes from the creature. So you couldn't get, you could get Emrakul with it. Yeah, but you could, you could but like, you'd get, you, like you'd you get can't a, get like two name nemesis. But you'd get it. You, but you'd get annihilated still. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you lose all your permanents except for. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, hungry Lynx. cats you control have protection from rats. This hurts your. Uh, My rat deck. What's the rat? Packrat? Packrat. Oh, Packrat. Packrat hate card. This, in standard, this would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, target opponent creates a 1-1 black rat creature token with death touch. Whenever a rat dies, put a plus one, plus one on each cat you control. It's a cute card. Yeah. I like it. Makes It's a cat lord. I got a call in on Anchor from uh, somebody from Dog Radio uh, asking me about dogs in Modern. He's like a dog anchor station. Oh, okay. And he was like, what are the best dogs in Modern? And so I went through the list and I gave him, I was like, here's your highlight reel. And well, I gave well him, like, first off, it's hounds. No, that's what I did. Yeah, I looked yeah, at yeah. Hound. Yeah. yeah. And there's like 80 of them. There's enough Hounds that you could legitimately make a commander deck called Who Let the Dogs Out and have a really, <laughs> like, a, like, a decent... <laughs> are are any of them more than five mana, three fours that are, like, oh, yeah. vanilla? Oh, it's there's, like, a, a lot more than you'd realize. Like, but, like, playable ones? Like, good ones? Like, oh, they do things? Totally. Not just, like, the, the most expensive cap. one was, like, a seven drop, which is, like, not good. He's, like, a demon hound. But then there's like all the red, like the like oh, jackal the pup. Red hounds are sweet. Okay. There's a jackal pup, and then there's like also like wild dogs, which is like the, that's a sweet card design. Remember that card? No. It's a two-two for one in green. That at the and I think it's the beginning of an upkeep. The player with the most life gains control of it. 
Okay. It's just like a fun design. Yeah. Like once you've eaten. It, it, I mean, the deck would not be good, sure. but I gave him like a highlight reel of dogs. Okay. <laughs> uh, next, we have Traverse the Outlands. Green and four. Sorcery. Search your library for up to X basic land cards where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Put those cards on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Talk about this while I read it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it can ramp pretty hard. You can get you can get real high real quick with this card. And it has the problem that a lot of those green card draw spells have, which is dependent on you having a creature. But for five mana, you can get to ten mana real quick. Yeah, this also could play like really really fun with um, something like the red green god. Yeah. Right? Like you play, so you play like some sweet four drop, like a five five for four, and you play the red green god on turn five, and then when it comes to your next turn, it becomes an eight eight, and then you play this card, you search for eight lands or something. Sounds sick. You play Emrakul, and then it give it haste with the god, and... They come in, on, they come in tapped though, right? Yeah, they do. I'm saying you're next turn. Yeah. yeah. Seems sick. I don't know why you need to give Emrakul <laughs> plus fifteen, or haste, because it gives you an extra turn when you cast it. I mean, I would love to... If, if I could attack with a 30-30 Emrakul, <laughs> and if there was some way that I could double the Annihilator to get Annihilator 12... That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Blood, Blood Forged Battle Axe. This is one for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero. It's equipped two. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you make a, copen of, a token of the Battle Axe. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I would love this card. This is... But there's no foils of any of these unless they're... Unless they are... Uh, the Commander. So stupid. <laughs> well, but we're talking about printing it into modern, not Highlander Roulette. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, on that point, I would say this card is pretty sweet. I think this would be kind of cool in modern. I think it, it gives you a lot of value. There's a lot of stuff you can do with it in the sense of, like, uh, Pia and Kieran Nalar gets you artifact tokens to sacrifice. Yeah. I've been messing a lot recently with um, uh, Pia and Kieran and uh, what's the 2-2 that makes clues when they enter the battlefield when land enters the battlefield yeah yeah Tyler's Tracker uh, Tyler's Tracker so Tyler's Tracker and Pia and Kieran where you get to use those clue tokens either to do damage or draw a card and it, it definitely like has synergies that I like going on I've been playing with it in Jun yeah um, I've actually uh, Tyler's Tracker is a card that's just like more and more showing up in modern it's yeah. actually a big part of the Vant Nightfall deck mm -hmm. and uh, I I was saying I think on, on well, it's, it's kind of it's a little bit Plays like uh, uh, Night of the Reliquaries 5 through 6. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I actually, on one card Wednesday, which is usually on Anchor where I do like 5 minutes on one just modern card that I like, mm -hmm. uh, I chose, I think, last week or the week before, and I did like a whole a whole just like analysis of why do I think that card's great and what's mm -hmm. being underutilized about it. And one of the things I talked about actually was just what you said, which is that the ability to add artifacts to the battlefield in some other like pretty easily accessible means is actually kind of underrated in right. modern. Because there's, like, between affinity decks and other things like that, there's a lot of ways, a lot of cards that very specifically can access uh, those artifacts and, and make use of those extra mm -hmm. artifacts beyond just drawing cards off clues. Totally. And, and and Bone Splitter has always been decent. And even bad Bone Splitters, which is this is, is a, a totally fair card. But you playing this as a one-of basically guarantees you having this in play, like... Once you get like, you can just start making tokens off of it. I think it's definitely a powerful uh, equipment, and I'd love to see the modern. I don't think it's too powerful for modern, and I think it would do interesting stuff there. Cool. Um, all right, this is the best card in the set. We're done. <laughs> Cast Descendant Mage. 
Uh, red, black, blue, colorless, legendary creature, human wizard, Alex Kessler. It's an creature type. Uh, flying 3-4. Are we talking about flash 3-4s? Let's talk about a flying one. You're going to definitely get one of these altered to have you on it. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Just my it's, like already, it's already in the uh, works. During each of your turns, you may cast an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. If a card cast this way would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. And it's it's flavor text. <laughs> uh, loss has no meaning here. You cannot take from those who have nothing. Those the art was done by Izzy. It is the thirty <laughs> ninth out of three hundred and nine cards in the set. <laughs> uh, go. Do you want to keep talking? Yeah. So uh, it's Snapcaster Mage every turn, but it's better than Snapcaster Mage. It uses the Jace Rins Prodigy version of Snapcaster Mage, which means it's not targeted, and you get to. Uh, do cool stuff like with buyback. You can return buyback spells to your hand when you use it. You can also uh, remand cards you cast off of it to return them to your hand. So you get to recast them and keep going. So just all all types of good things. But also, you know how Snapcaster Mage is the best creature in modern? This is Snapcaster Mage every turn. I mean, it is really absurdly powerful. Like yeah. when you showed it to me, I was like, whoa. That's uh, like is it too powerful for modern? No, because it's a four drop. Um, but it would definitely be one of those things. Well, actually, Jace, Jace the Mind Sculptor is a four drop, uh, and that's way too powerful for modern. But is this this isn't better than Jace? Um, I here's mean, it's totally better than. Jace. Here's my thought. It's cooler than Jace. There, there's a couple different reasons that I think this card is not too powerful. Okay. The first one is that it is specifically only good if your graveyard is accessible to you at sorcery speed. Uh, because it's during your turn. When is your graveyard not accessible to you so at sorcery speed? If somebody is packing a lot of graveyard in the main deck, like people are doing right now, if their sideboards are totally set up to make your graveyard irrelevant, if well, they're playing sure. main deck scavenging oozes, like, there's a lot of things that turn this just into a 3-4 flyer for 4 mana. But which, there are a bunch of 4 drops that, like, you could argue, uh, Kalidus was yep. seeing play in a, a field with a lot of graveyard, like during Dredge, and then he's just bad in a world where there's graveyard hate, and because his main ability triggers when he enters the battle graveyard. Yeah, so but he's a, does But I would argue that a three four. I would argue that three four lifelink for four. Better than a three four flyer. Yes, definitely. I don't know if I Especially agree with when that. it's castable off black mana as opposed to three colors. Um, sure. I mean, just I'm not saying Kalidus. Uh, this is uh, the fact that graveyard hit exists doesn't make me feel like this would be a problem. I don't I mean, think I this think card bigger, is because anyway. like Colgan's command sees a ton of play, and half of its reason it's so good is because you can rebuy with Snapcaster Mage. But it's a versatile instant speed spell for three that sure. removes things. But I, you can I, get Colgan's commands back with Kest Ascended Mage. Kest is insanely powerful, and I'm, I'm just. Kest is insanely powerful. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing bad about this conversation. Um, it, it, uh, what I would say about this card, I, I don't think it's too powerful. I think it's sure. a very powerful card. I just don't think that in. Like, I don't think that as. Okay, let, so you're saying it's totally fair to be printed to modern, and we should definitely have wizards make sure it comes into a standard. Eh, this would be like <laughs> too powerful for standard for sure. I, what I could see happening is it's that in Grixis decks, yeah. that people would play this as a two of or something, and yeah. then if they resolved it, it would be the thing that goes over the top. This what, feels is to this me, better than Tassiger? Uh, yes. Well, Tassiger is just it's just a four or five for two for a mana. Yeah. So and, my point is, is if this isn't better than Tassiger, I think it's fine to be printed in modern. Uh, it's, it's way more powerful color, late Tassiger's game. Tassiger's two colors, and it's two different two colors whenever you feel like it. The question is, with Tassiger, this card is totally nuts, because for four mana, now you're sure. just, like, dumping stuff in the graveyard and then casting it for free. Yeah, it'd be sweet. <laughs> well, though, but they can stop you by putting it in your hand, I guess. <laughs> Great. Yeah, no, Kess, best card, 
Should be printed in the standard. Let's make that happen. Card's good. Uh, Magus of the Mind. Four blue, blue. Human Wizard. Blue. Tap. Sacrifice Magus of the Mind. Shuffle your library, then exile the top X cards, where X is one plus the number of spells cast this turn. Until end of turn, you may play cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost, and it's a 4-5. Is this Mind's Desire of the Magus? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet card. Yeah, would totally see play in modern. I don't think it'd be too powerful because it's a six drop that you want that doesn't have haste and you have to tap it. So you'd have to play it and then wait till your next turn and then storm off. Yeah. Um, so I think that's definitely an argument for it. Definitely. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's sweet. I love Mind's Desire. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, Apprentice Necromancer, black, colorless, zombie wizard, 1-1, one, one, black, tap, sacrifice, Apprentice Necromancer, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, that creature gains haste at the beginning of the next end step, sacrifice it. So wait, this is a spell shaper? Is that what it no, is? No, not spell shaper, you sack oh, it. Oh, you sack it. Yeah. This is so similar to that old, uh... I think the difference is that this is, uh, gives it, has the, like, Goro's Vengeance text of you have to sacrifice it, it enters the battlefield only for one turn, it has haste. That's the big difference. Uh, this is super similar to an old spell shaper card uh, from from Urza's Destiny, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm going to look up right now while you talk about this next card. Okay, I mean, what's cool about this is it's it's another Gory's Vengeance like card. It's on a creature, so it's kind of cool. Uh, I, I I think it might be too powerful to have a like a, a versatile birthing pod esque bringing it back wizard. No, this is apprentice the card. necromancer. It's, oh, it's the same. Oh, card. it's a reprint. Yeah, it's a reprint from Urza's Destiny. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. I, I, I would like, love for this guy to be legal. <laughs> I, was, I was like, that's so similar. <laughs> All right. So shifting shadows, red to Aura, enchant creature. Enchant creature has had hate, has haste, and at the beginning of your upkeep, destroy that creature. Reveal the card. The top of your library until you reveal a creature card. Put the card into the battlefield and attach shifting shadow to it. Then put all other cards revealed this way on the bottom of your library in random order. This is a three mana polymorph in red. Uh, is the big relevant thing. Uh, yeah, it happens at your upkeep, so they have time to respond to it, which is different. But it also will chain to the next thing every turn, so you can kind of cycle through different stuff. It's interesting. This actually reminds me a little bit of uh, in Highlander Roulette. Eric has a blue green deck that he plays that plays uh, the Oath of Lieges and Polymorph, mm-hmm. and it's the difference of do you have do you get the cheaper one that lets you get it on the next upkeep, or do you get the more expensive one that does it right away? And I always, 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 always want him to play the more expensive one because Oath of Liege is when he plays it I'm just like uh, if I don't have an answer I just lose sure and that's basically what this feels like it comes down a turn earlier if I mean it's a creature though right so it's a creature and you don't get to keep the thing forever so if you can stop them that next turn the next thing comes out and yeah. so and, and in a polymorph deck you're only playing one or two things so it doesn't a- including that thing which means you can't actually make it work because no that's, like, a, that's an enchantment what? Oh, I was reading from a distance. I thought that was a creature. No, it's an enchantment. Got it, got it, got it. So, so you just put it on, yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty, yeah, dark, pretty good. That's pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's not like Polymorph is good enough. So, like, I feel like getting a slightly better Polymorph isn't... And this is, like, super weak to every removal spell in the format. I think this would be totally fair. I think it would be powerful, but I think it would be totally fair. And the things in Modern that exist that would allow you to ramp a turn earlier all creatures, mm-hmm. whether it's Spirit Guide or Elves. Or birds. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, let's playing Artifacts. Uh, Mathis Fiend Seeker, a legendary creature vampire menace 3 3 for a black, a white, and a red. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, put a bounty counter on target creature and opponent controls. For as long as that creature has a bounty counter on it, it has whenever this creature dies, each opponent draws a card and gains two life. So, this is a relatively fair rate. So, for black, red, white, you get a 3 3 menace that will draw you cards using whenever you use the removal spells in your deck. Seems fair. Fair enough. Yep. Um, I don't think it's too powerful, but I think it's, it's definitely something that would be considered in a, in a deck. 
Yeah, I mean, I like in a, in a modern deck. I like three threes for three. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bounty counters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tefiri's protection phasing is back. Oh God. <laughs> White two until your next turn. You your life total change. Your life total can't change, and you have protection from everything. All permanents you control phase out. I, whose idea Exile. was it to bring back phasing? It's like the most confusing thing that's ever happened. No, I think this is fine. I think it just is... Not, they can't do anything to you for a turn, period. Teferi's Isle was a card that I used in uh, in the trivia game recently, and I read it, I was like, this is such a bad card. <laughs> this is so bad. Like, phasing is just bad. Well, just this is the best Vogue ever printed. Yeah. They yeah. can't... They can't damage you. They can't make you discard. They can't do damage to you. Yeah. They can't... Destroy any of your permanents. All you know, like it's just it's the best fog ever printed. For and, sure. and I have no problem with the best fog ever printed being in modern. Yeah, fair. Uh, I don't think it'd be too good in standard either. It'd just be like weird that this exists. Uh, new blood, uh, black black two sorcery has an additional cost and cast new blood. Tap an untapped vampire you control. Gain control of target creature. Change the sex of that creature by replacing all instances of one creature type with vampire. So this is in a vampire tribal deck. A four mana mind control. Yeah, it's uh, it's four or three, four, four mana mind control. Ah, so black has a we don't a control magic. Oh, but it doesn't it doesn't lose control in a turn. No. Oh, interesting. It's 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 it, and it's not an enchantment, so there's no way to like kill this to get your creature back. So it is mm-hmm. a permanent control magic. Plus, you can do cute things up if you steal a Lord of Atlantis. You can give all your vampires island walk and plus one plus one, <laughs> <laughs> which is just really cute and like That's would happen cool. if you had a vampire deck like that. That would be a thing that would happen. I would love that card to be a modern. Uh, Tigam Ojatai Master, two white blue, uh, legendary creature, human monk, instant sorcery and dragon spells you control can't be countered by spells or abilities. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand, Tigam Ojatai Master attack and your hand. If Tigam had attacked this turn, that spell gained rebound. It's a three four. Uh, I think a three four for four that makes all of your instants and sorceries uncounterable and also gives all your instants and sorceries rebound is totally playable. I mean, it's a, it's actually it's a very similar card to me than, than to cast. It is, yeah. I really, really, really like rebound. It's one of my favorite abilities that I was happy to see come back, and uh, I'm always, 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 always looking at those cards, finding clever ways right. to use them. Like imagine casting a lingering souls after the, after this, or a fatal push, or a path. Like it just it, it gains you so much value. There's definitely like something something to be said, and I think maybe a future episode could talk about this. There's the density of cards that have been printed in Magic's history, spells that you get two instances, like two triggers off of. Right. Uh, because now between flashback and rebound and like uh, there's a couple. I feel like there's a couple other things that I'm forgetting where you get two instances off the spell whether it's like buyback, and I would like to go through and maybe rank them or figure out, like, is there a density now that you could build the deck of, like, things that trigger off of casting instances of sorceries, and does that deck not exist yet? Are we missing, like, the flashback spells and the rebound spells, you know? Yeah, and there's not really a good path bar, and maybe Tygen would be that. I would love for this card to be printed, and it's possible if we ever return to Dragon, or dra- Dragons of Tarkir, but Tarkir, we would we might get something like this. Right. Uh, last but not least, maybe least, Bloodline Necromancer. It's a four and a black vampire wizard lifelink. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may reanimate a vampire or wizard creature to the battlefield as a 3-2. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a reanimator spell on a 3-2 body. The main life point, link you said, right? It does have lifelink. And the other important thing here is that the, whenever a creature has reanimate attached to it, there are ways to possibly loop it. Now, you have to be getting a vampire or wizard, so what do you do with that? But it definitely has a power to it. Not to mention, if you have three of these in your graveyard and you play this one, you can get all four into play at once. 
Sick. Yeah, so it has a little bit of what's the the demon of fealties or the not dominus of fealties the the red black five mana oh, five five flying a- avatar of discord no 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 demi god of revenge demi god of revenge it yeah, has yeah. a little bit of a, that flavor to it and it's that mana cost but then it could also maybe just use it to get value you can cast this to get snapcaster mage back um, there's just stuff that it does as well sweet sweet so that's that's our the review of the commander set that's all the cards. Um, I, there weren't that many cards in that set that I feel like would make a massive impact. There was a few that I thought would I think have... they'd definitely make an impact. The question is, the co- the point of this conversation is you need to find the balance. Is it, is it good enough that it would be really cool to have in modern? Because there's a bunch of cards that they printed that just wouldn't see play. Uh, is it good enough that it would see play in modern, but not good enough where it would be broken in modern. And a good example of that is Scavenging News was a perfect card to reprint and put into modern. We had a like I mean that, that whole conversation this week about Thoughtseize, banning Thoughtseize and Inquisition versus Sigur Visions and Sleight of Hand. I mean the result of the conversation, I had this with you a little bit as well, is like what if you were to get rid of Thoughtseize? Like just Thoughtseize and, and Inquisition lived on. Would it mean that the four drops in the format would become that much more powerful? Would the format become more four drop dominant because the best things you could be doing would be just be getting to the fourth turn and playing something your opponent couldn't answer? And I think when you look at a card like Kess, Kess feels more like a card that fits into already established decks. But I definitely think that there is something to be said for there is something to be said for four drops and like just the format being awesome. Um, um, and I think it would just be like totally, totally awesome to see the format become very, very like dominated by mid-range cards. Um, because I know people would still find a way around it. I know that. Everybody would. People like stringing together velocity. I think getting rid of Thoughtseize makes the discussion of which cards to play much more interesting. Because Inquisition of Kozlik has a weakness. Duress has weaknesses. You have these cards that would exist and see play, but they have problems. Versus... Right now, Thoughtseize just is a catch-all to everything, and there's benefits to that. I think that a format like in this that is this old needs a Force of Will. I think that is an important card to have in a format, and I think Thoughtseize can accomplish that, but we need to... I'm not against thinking about it. What if Thoughtseize wasn't in the format? Could be interesting. Yep. Could be interesting. So that's that's it for the episode. Uh, we will be doing on Anchor a look at some of the older Commander cards that they printed. Uh, there's also episodes we've done every year where we do this, and so you can go look at those as well. Make sure to check out the Command Zone or Sister Podcast on Collected.Company. Uh, they also do game nights on their YouTube channel. Definitely check that out. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. And actually, something really exciting, guys. I don't know if you like movie stuff, but if you do... There's something called the Movie Trivia Schmodown. It's basically a, a movie trivia tournament that is like run like wrestling. There's personalities, entrance music, and uh, I'm in the tournament right now over on Collider.com, uh, YouTube, the YouTube channel, uh, Collider who breaks a ton of movie news. Uh, our first match in the tournament, the 16-team tournament, just aired yesterday, and it was totally awesome. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what happened in the match, but you should go watch it. It was super entertaining. And uh, I feel like you'll get hooked. A lot of listeners of this show have tweeted at me and told me they found out about that show from me and that they are huge fans now. So definitely if you like movies, it's about the most entertaining thing out there. You're the bad guys, aren't you? Like you're... you're... Oh, we're, we're Cobra Kai's. We are total yeah. villains. Yeah. Okay. Like it's, you're going to see me like playing a character and it's awesome. We are... Yeah, we have the most fun. Are you playing a character or are you really just a villain? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.